Go over to Numbers. Yeah. Chapter 13. And uh, we're just going to go with what God has put on my heart. And he was dealing with me since last week. I had a wonderful conversation with someone last week. And uh, I, I, I want to say this to you guys. If you have questions, please come talk to us. Uh, we may not always have the answers, but if we do have answers, we'll give them to you. That's what the youth leaders are for. That's what I'm for. Uh, we want to help, but we can't help if you don't ask questions. And if we don't have the answers, I will do my very, very best to go to God's word, to go into his presence, to go to people that I know to find you answers. All right. So just come to us and ask questions. And so somebody was talking to me last week and some questions came up and, and I went home and I was just like, man, I really don't know. I want to look into this a little bit further. Has anybody ever been to a place where you just didn't know? Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate that. So everybody else always has it together. I'm the only one that's a hot mess. Thank you so much for that. Well, if you, I came to a place where I just didn't know. And like I said a moment ago, one of the wonderful things about this journey that I've had with God since uh, 19, when was it? I guess uh, 2000s really when I got serious. That was a long time ago. Whew. Uh, he's always had answers for me. He, he, there, there hasn't been a question that God could not answer. There hasn't been something that I didn't need from him that he was unwilling to. He always has been willing to give it to me. He's always been willing to answer the questions that I have. And so tonight I want to address an issue that maybe no one has faced it or maybe everybody is facing it. And so I want to ask you this question. It's rhetorical. Rhetorical means you don't have to answer. But what do you do when the people that you are supposed to be following, maybe pastors, mentors, parents, people that you are supposed to be following in this life of faith because you're young, you're learning as you go, you don't have all the answers, so there should be people you look up to. There should be people that you know, are, are doing their best to follow God. What do you do as somebody who's in high school and, and trying to learn this adventure with God, and, and you see these people living a life before God, one that's supposed to be pleasing to Him, but yet it seems like failure after failure after failure, or disaster after disaster, or letdown after letdown. What do you do as a young person when you have these examples before you that are following God, but it's not going well with them. What do you do? Don't answer. Just think about it. And I bet you if we thought in our mind, every single one of us have had that at a moment in time where we hear a preacher like myself preaching about the goodness of God and preaching about the peace of God, and preaching about the prosperity of God, and preaching about the healing of God. But yet, when we look at some people that should be an example, we don't see all those things. We don't see peace. We don't see healing, and we don't see prosperity. But instead, maybe we see they're struggling every day just to get by, or maybe we see they're struggling with sickness and disease. Maybe we see they're struggling with confusion, and we're sitting there, and we're thinking, wait, I, I thought Robert was preaching that God has all this stuff available, but yet this person's following God. Why don't they have those things that God has promised them? And because I don't see it in their life, I'm confused, and I'm starting to question, is God the right decision for me? So what do we do when somebody's living this life of faith, but we don't see the results that are promised from God's word? That's a challenging question to answer. And I don't know about you, but I follow the creator of the universe because he's good. 
I follow the creator of the universe because his promises are yes and amen. His promises aren't, well, let's wait and see. His promises are yes. Someone say yes. So what does that mean? This is a mistake that people make all the time. This adventure with God is supposed to be your adventure with God. Yes, you can be encouraged by what you see people as they're walking with God and you see their life and you're like, man, that looks awesome. You can be encouraged by that. But at the end of the day, you must make up your mind that this adventure with him is your adventure with him. What does that mean? You're going to learn how to trust him. You're going to learn how to walk in these promises that are yes and amen. You're going to learn how to be a Christian and follow God's statutes and his promises and his will and his way. So you can have all these promises that are yes and amen. And it doesn't matter if somebody else's adventure has gone a little sideways. You're not going to let that be a hurdle in your adventure with God. You're not going to let that be an anchor around your neck that ultimately drowns your relationship with God to the point of no longer being able to survive. But instead, you're going to make up your decision. This is what we do. We make up your minds. No matter what I see all around me, I choose God and I choose this adventure that him and I are supposed to have together. Amen? Amen. Everyone say, I choose God. So as I was pondering this and I was looking at it, God took me to Numbers chapter 13 which you've probably heard if you've been in church, especially at Cornerstone, you've heard this preached so many different times in so many different ways. And so basically what's going on in verse 13, we don't have time to read all of it and I'm gonna bounce around a lot and we're gonna figure it out together, all right? But in number 13, God speaks to Moses and you know what's going on. Okay, the entire backstory. They were in slavery in Egypt and then Moses was out in the wilderness and God spoke to him in a cave by a burning bush and said, I want you to go to Egypt and deliver my people. And so Moses says, you can't use me, I still I don't talk well. Who am I? And God's like, I can use anybody. Just go. And that's good news because if God can use anybody, he can use me. And I rejoice in that all the time. Wow. Right. And so he can use you. It doesn't matter. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to choose God. All right. And so Moses chooses God. He goes into Egypt. He's standing before Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And then he's like plagues. And then it's just all this stuff. And then finally Pharaoh lets him go. And we all know the story, right? They're chasing him. They're being led by a cloud during the day and fire by night. And the Egyptians are chasing him. And then they come to the Red Sea and he strikes the Red Sea and it parts and they walk through it. And then the army's chasing him behind and the waters crash in and everybody dies. And now you have God's people out here in the wilderness, right? And God is saying to him, I'm not going to leave you here, I have a promised land. Someone say promised land. What are we talking about? The promises that are yes and amen. And what happens if our example doesn't get there? And so God says, Moses, I'm not leaving you here. I have Canaan's land. I have this promised land for you. But what I want you to do, send out these spies for 40 days. Let them spy out the land and come back and give a testimony. And so that's what's happening in Numbers 13. And so they go out for 40 days and they come back and they had these amazing grapes. If you read it, the Bible says that they were so big that it took two men to carry a bushel of grapes. That's a, I don't, I would love to see a grape like that. Could you imagine? And so they come back and this is where we're going to pick it up. They start giving in this testimony. So these spies that went out start sharing with all the people what they saw and what they heard. And there's 10 spies. Remember, 12 went in and there's 10 spies and they start giving this negative report. They start talking about, we can't take it. The cities are walled up. The cities are great. The people that are great, they'll destroy us. But then you had these two other dudes, Caleb and Joshua. And this is where we're going to pick it up. It says, but Caleb in verse 30 of 
Numbers 13. It says, but Caleb tried to encourage the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him answered, we can't go against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread discouraging reports about the land among the Israelites. The land we explored will swallow us up and all who live there. All the people we saw are huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and we felt like grasshoppers next to them. And that's what we look like to them. And so you've got these two people that are like given, they're like, no, we can do this. God said we can do this. And so I want you to think about your life. What has God said about your life? And what are you seeing that's discouraging you in your walk with him? You've got to be like Caleb and Joshua and sometimes say, okay, it doesn't matter everything I see. I can have what God said I can have. I can do what God said I can do. So then Caleb in verse nine of chapter 14, he begins to minister to them more and he says, don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people in the land. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Someone say, God is with us. Come on, say it loud. Say, God is with us. And so Caleb's in church and he's saying, God is with us, we can do it. He says, don't be afraid of them, verse 10. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And so this is so interesting. This is such a great type and shadow of what it looks like in the world when you try to follow God. There's gonna be, you know, we say it's so cheesy, but haters gonna hate. You know, there's always gonna be people that are mad at you for walking with God. Amen. It's, it's always gonna, there's always gonna be people that are gonna try to drag you down from this life of faith. And one person who will do it more than anybody else is the devil himself. And he will use anything he can in his power, even if it's another Christian that's supposed to have a relationship with God, the devil can use them to deter you in your relationship with God. And so Joshua and Caleb, all they're doing is saying, we can have what God said we can have, and then the people were mad about it. <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. Why would you be mad about this? But that's the way this works sometimes, right? And so let's keep reading. Thought about stoning then, and then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared, all the Israelites above the tabernacle, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? They will never believe in me, even after the miracle signs that I have done among them. And this is, when I was reading this, God said this to my heart, listen to me, there's people in this room, and you've seen the miraculous signs of God. Don't forget. Don't forget. I just shared with you how God brought them out of slavery and out of Egypt and killed the entire enemy army that was chasing them. And then they get out there and they completely forget. And maybe you're saying, well, I've never seen God do something miraculous. Ooh, man, listen to me. If you are born again, you've seen the greatest miracle you will ever see in your life. He translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He took you from death and brought you into life. He rescued you from hell, and now all of eternity, heaven is your destination. There is no greater miracle than salvation. So when you're questioning God and the things of God, remember he saved you. Remember he saved you. He saved me from hell, and that, guys, alone is enough. 
But what's so good about this God is he doesn't stop there. <laughs> it's like that commercial, the guy that slaps stuff on the weekend. Wait, there's more, you know, and he'll slap. No one, anyone seen that commercial? Just me? Well, that, that's like God. He's always like, wait, there's more. And so like you get born again and then God's like, wait, there's more. And then you find healing and he's like, wait, there's more. And then you find prosperity. He's like, wait, there's more. And all this stuff is found just by following after God. Having your own adventure with God. Someone say my adventure. Now, let's jump all the way over to Numbers 15. It says this, and, uh, and then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long would these wicked nations uh, complain about me? Ooh, let's just talk. We, be careful you don't complain about God. Someone listen to me. Don't complain about God. Now, let's just make this real, 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 real. How do we complain about God? Man, I can't believe I got to go to church again. Man, I, I, I can't believe that they're doing three songs tonight instead of two. Be careful we don't complain about God. Because watch this now. This is interesting. Verse 28. Now tell them this, who the people, as surely as I live, ooh, this is God speaking, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. I will do, God is saying this to them. He said, what I'm going to do to you is the very things that you have said. <laughs> no, I don't think you understand. So they're saying, we're going to be stuck out here, stranded out here. We're going to die out here. And then God says, okay, I'm going to do to you the very thing that you said. If you come to church and you say, I'm never going to get anything out of this. God says, I will do the very thing to you that you said. If you say this, this relationship that I have with God, it, nothing good is ever going to come from it. God is saying, I will do the very thing to you that you have said. So we got to be careful what we're saying. Now, I'm getting to a point. Got like five minutes left. I'm going to wrap it up. It says, but you complained against me. None of you. Now watch this. None of you who are 20 years old or older Will who, who are counting the census will enter the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb and Joshua. So you have all these people 20 years and older. So who's that? The parents, the grandparents, Moses, the leader. The other 10 leaders of the other 10 tribes, they, all of those people, God is saying, you will no longer enter in. Only the young ones will go in. Now watch, the young ones had to make a decision. What did they decide to do when all the older people refused to follow God? What did the younger people decide to do when all those Moses was supposed to lead them into the promised land. Those 10 leaders from the 10 tribes were supposed to lead them into the promised land. We're supposed to show them what this life with God looks like and how it leads you into promises, but they failed and they complained against God and they went their own way and they did their own thing and they failed miserably. And now God said, none of you are going to go in there. You're all going to die out here. The younger generation had to decide, am I going to let their failure, listen to me now, am I going to let their failure be my failure? Or am I going to decide that my adventure with God is my adventure with God? 
and I'm going to follow him for myself. It's no longer mom and dad's relationship with God. It's no longer my grandpa Moses' relationship with God. Now it's my relationship with God. And the things that he said I can have, I will have them. Someone say, this is my adventure. And so God said, everybody out here will fall in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. Now, real quick, go over to the book of Joshua. We come to the end of Deuteronomy. So this is what I'm getting to, guys. When everybody around you that's older than you, that's supposed to be leading you in this relationship with God, and all you see is misery stacked on top of misery, what do you do? You must decide for yourself. I will follow God. Decide for yourself. It's exactly what Joshua and Caleb did. The leaders weren't making the right decision. The parents weren't making the right choices. The grandparents weren't making the right choices. But they said, you know what? I will follow God. Somebody say, I will follow God. So Deuteronomy 29 or 34 ends with Moses dying and then God looks to Joshua. Man, we could read all of Joshua 1. Joshua 1, 6, God is encouraging him. He says, be strong and courageous for if you lead my people to possess all, for you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give to your ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave to you. Do not turn, uh, do not turn away from them. Do not turn away from them and you will be successful. So he's again challenging Joshua. He's saying the one who was supposed to lead you in all this failed. But just because he failed doesn't mean you have to fail. The same promises I made available to him, I've made available to you. Will you have what I've promised? And so Joshua, I'm encouraged by this. In verse 10, it says this, Then Joshua commanded the leaders of Israel, go through the camp, tell the people to get their, pre, the, their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. And so this is what it comes down to, guys. Why is that plane so loud? It is highly unusual. Joshua Listen to me, this is going to help somebody. The challenges that Joshua faced were no different than the challenges that Moses faced. It's the same walled cities, the same giants on the inside, the same people, younger generation that have to be led. He made a decision. Just because my example failed doesn't mean I'm going to fail. And I pray that this gets to somebody tonight who needs to hear it. Just because my example failed doesn't mean I'm going to fail. Every single person in here gets to have their own relationship with God and their own adventure with God. And I encourage you, have Joshua and Caleb's mentality. God said it. I wrote this down in my phone. I want to make sure I get it right. I was praying the other night. Whew. Okay, this is what I wrote down. 
And this is my encouragement to you. Y'all ready? I'm going to believe what God said. I'm going to do what God said. Therefore, I'm going to have what God said. I'm going to believe what God said. I'm going to do what God said. Therefore, I'm going to have what God said. And that was Caleb's mentality. That was Joshua's mentality. I'm going to believe what God said. He said, Canaan's land is our land. I believe it. He said, go march around Jericho. I'm going to do it. And then guess what? I'm going to have it. And so here's the takeaway tonight, guys. Have examples that you can follow. We all need Timothy's. We all need the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul spoke to all the churches that he was writing. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's good to have examples that you can follow when it comes to this life of faith. But what I'm saying tonight is if you don't have that example, pave your own road with God. Become that example for somebody else. Joshua and Cable at 40 years old had to become that example to everybody else underneath of them. And maybe you're thinking 40 years old is is old. It's really young when people are living for 900 years. So they were young. See, and and I I guess you may be wondering what, well, man was created to live forever. It's because of sin that we die. Now, Adam and Eve, it says that Moses, he lived to 120. But Adam and Eve, from Adam to Eve to Moses, that's how long it took for sin to deteriorate the life of man from all of eternity to 120 years. Right? So you weren't, you weren't made to die. You were made to live forever. But what am I saying? We have to make up our minds. So Joshua and Caleb, even though they were 40, they were young. And they made a decision. Our leaders failed, but we can have what God promised. Amen? Amen. If you would, just close your eyes real quick. Maybe there's somebody in the room. And you've seen these examples. We all know who they are. And listen, I want to encourage you. Don't judge people too harshly. I really want to encourage you. This, this, this part's just as important. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing that back to me. Every, I know I said close your eyes, but everybody look up here at me real quick. Don't judge people too harshly. One day, Lord willing, you're going to be a parent. And guess what? As a parent, you're going to make your own mistakes. I tell my boys all the time, I've never had a 12-year-old before. Take it easy on me. I'm learning as I go. Don't judge people so harshly. Well, if I was in charge, I would have done this. Or if I was in charge, I would have done that. Notice Joshua and Caleb, they never said anything like that about Moses. If I was in charge, I would do this. What did they say? All they did was try to encourage. No, we can do what God said we can do. We can have what God said we can have. Even Jesus said this. When he, we use it when it comes to money, but the passage in the New Testament is actually talking about judges. It says, as you judge, it will come back to you some 30, some 60, and 100 fold. And so be careful how you judge others. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yes. Be careful how you judge others because that judgment will come back on you. Give people the same grace that God has extended to you because no one in here is perfect, but yet God is not mad at you. Forgive people as Jesus 
has forgiven you because you've made a lot of mistakes towards him. I have, but he's forgiven me for every single one. Amen? Amen. Now, close your eyes and bow your heads. If there's anybody in here, and this is an unusual altar call, but I'm just gonna, it just kind of jumped right up. If there's anybody in here and you've been kind of discouraged in your walk with God. You've been kind of discouraged in your walk with God. As nobody is looking around, everybody is in an attitude of prayer, being respectful of the atmosphere in this room. Or maybe you've been just straight out frustrated with God in general. As everybody's in an attitude of prayer, if that is you, you know the one of those places, raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you down here. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you've been discouraged in your walk with God or you've just been discouraged with God in general, just show me. If not, lift your hand. Put it up real high so I can see it. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you. <clears throat> I wanted you to raise your hands because for the next couple weeks, and take personal responsibility. I'm just going to pray for you every single night. Every single night. That you'd be encouraged in this wonderful relationship that you have with God. And so thank you for raising your hands. I appreciate it. I believe something amazing is going to transform and unfold right before your very eyes in the coming days, in the coming weeks.